0: as ai starts to infuse itself in our daily lives we will have opportunity to let go of that need to be right and then transform ourselves into people who can as leaders are custodians of the well being of people who follow us rather than the preachers or the teachers or you know like showing them where to go but rather than that we become the custodians of their well being like everybody has their own path everybody has their own desire, their own goals. I think leadership should be turned into a way to facilitate that path for our followers.
1: In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivose. Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, your host, and a Quantivos coach. Our guest today is Manuj Agarwal. Manuj is the founder and chief innovation officer of Terra Noodle Technologies. Welcome, Manuj.
0: Thank you so much. It's actually Tetra Noodle Technologies. So um, thanks a lot. Excited to be here.
1: So you have so many stories to tell, and I wish we just had hours to listen to them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we don't. So what I would love to do is focus, first of all, on what brought you into the world of artificial intelligence.
0: You know, I, my my background is technology. I've been working with technology for the last 30 years. And one of the things that, um, uh, you know, as engineers, typical engineers, what we do is we get excited about new technologies all the time. So it's like a a new toy that uh, that we bring home and then we break apart and then put it together. So um, I'm always on the lookout, okay, you know, what is the next new thing? And I uh, several times get in trouble by, you know, getting into these new uh, ways of doing things, but that's where also the innovation lies, that's where the growth happens. So for me, any new technology that is gaining steam, I try to see, okay, you know, how can we... Uh, make more um, more impact using that technology. So, I, so we as a company started working with artificial intelligence in 2007. So we've been at it for a while, and so yeah, that was uh, the, the the very first project that we embarked on was uh, related to uh, education. So using artificial intelligence to help students uh, get personalized education in every classroom, irrespective of what level of uh, you know, proficiency they have in a particular topic. So AI can help uh, advanced students learn much faster, and AI can help uh, people who need more help to gain um, more insights, more uh, information, so that they become more proficient at the topic. So that was the first project.
1: In our correspondence before we met, you wrote Imagine a world where AI harmonizes human interaction within workplaces where technology doesn't estrange, but connects us more profoundly. Mm -hmm. That's the future of work I envision. When people think about technology, when they think about especially artificial intelligence, they think about taking the human out of Mm -hmm. the experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm fascinated by how you see it as putting more human in. Could you give us a little bit framework on that?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the the deeper question here is that, you know, we we have come to identify uh, humanity or humans as our IQ, our intellect, our ability to solve problems. Right. Um, So when we say uh, artificial intelligence to most people means removing uh, the human element, I think what they are saying is removing the IQ element of humanity. Because these machines are so intelligent already, they have an IQ of like a thousand. There is no way to compete with them at a human level. So what is left as humanity? That What is left is our emotional intelligence, our ability to connect, our ability to you know, listen to each other. Right now. What AI can do there is to help facilitate that because a lot of people need help expressing themselves they need help in listening to each other um, and th- you know once you understand how humans communicate, what drives us, how to get buy-in, all these psychological uh, sort of tips uh, tricks and triggers that work on on humans universally um. And and you can you can use AI to facilitate that communication. That's the key area which will really help facilitate these kind of workplaces, because as humans, as you know, in 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 coaching, we are not really great communicators, and AI can really help facilitate that.
1: So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're implying, if not saying, is forget IQ. AI has us you know, out of the ballpark on IQ, yeah. but you don't foresee artificial intelligence developing the emotional intelligence that we as humans are capable of. Is that a fair statement?
0: It is a fair statement, but uh, with a caveat. So we, we uh, as humans, will be able to use AI as a tool to generate uh, EQ. In that sense, AI can simulate EQ, but, just like you know, when we visit uh, like a famous painting like Mona Lisa, there may be a million prints of Mona Lisa out there, but there's only one original Mona Lisa. So as humans, we are hardwired. I mean, we have been evolving on this planet for millions of years. That emotional intelligence is an internal feeling that we cannot, you know, just uh, hand over to a machine. That's something authentic a human can feel. I mean, that's where you know these emotions of uh you know like we've been struggling with defining emotions like love and sadness for ages and we still don't have an answer for that but we all can feel it right so similarly maybe ai will develop uh, that kind of simulated uh, emotional intelligence but i think as humans we will we will feel what is artificial and what is real
1: i really can relate to that example not with the mona lisa but many years ago, I was in Florence and saw the Statue of David. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is a replica of it in a central area in Florence that is supposedly the same size. It, you know, it's a nice piece of art. Yeah, yeah, Literally walking into the room where the David is, it hit me emotionally. And I had never thought of this before, but you're right i can't imagine a machine ever feeling that yeah
0: yeah exactly
1: or ever communicating because it can't feel that it can't communicate that exactly either what does all of this mean for leadership in the workplace
0: you know um leaders basically i think again we have put too much emphasis on iq and that's why most leaders tend to be very smart and when they you know are given leadership roles their the reassurance they get from the world is they are smart and they know it now and now it becomes very difficult for them to admit defeat they admit um, uh, that they are wrong so again i'm generalizing and i and i'm included in this this whole cycle where it becomes difficult to admit you're wrong uh, because of the leadership role you have been granted so it becomes a vicious cycle of defending what we are saying but i think as ai starts to infuse itself in our daily lives we will have opportunity to let go of that need to be right and then transform ourselves into people who can as leaders are custodians of the well-being of people who follow us rather than the preachers or the teachers or, you know, like showing them where to go. But rather than that, we become the custodians of their well-being. Like everybody has their own path. Everybody has their own desire, their own goals. I think leadership should be turned into a way to facilitate that, uh, you know, that, that path for our followers. And that becomes a true harmonious culture, a true, true harmony between the leader and the follower where everybody gets what they want out of life yet they achieve to you know a, a common higher purpose goal does that make sense
1: it it does very often in working with my clients i talk about their role as two part really one is doing everything they can to set up those who report to them for success and then clearing the path and making sure that they are set free if you will to achieve that so I really like the language you use there, sort of the custodian
0: mm-hmm. of,
1: of it's a form of servant leadership.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Are there particular industries that you see as going to be moving forward more quickly in their application of artificial intelligence than others?
0: You know, the thing is that uh, um, the misconception is that this isn't something new. Uh, AI has existed since the 70s. And um, and our world is already engulfed with AI um, since 2005. Like, if you look around, if you just take out your smartphone, it's all controlled by AI already. Um, this video recording that we are uh, doing it, it, underneath the covers, AI is controlling the traffic. And that's why we are able to talk to each other in real time, uh, you know, in high definition across thousands of miles. But that being said, like industries where there is more uh, repetitive mechanical work, those will be disrupted the most first. For example, driving. There are 10 million driving jobs in US alone, and their livelihood depends upon driving. I predict that in the next 10 years, there's not gonna be a driving job left. And in 20, maybe in 15 to 20 years, I believe it will be illegal for humans to drive on the road.
1: Well, <laughs> you just blew me away. <laughs> I think of so many professions like accounting that there's, there's a clear set of rules, maybe depending on the accountant, there's some stretch in those rules, but I don't see... For example, accounting being a world that cannot be replaced by a thousand times higher IQ absolutely, than the
0: absolutely. accountant. I think, I think, see, uh, uh, it's great that you brought it up. I think the definition of work and definition of the value we create in the world will start to shift a little bit. So take the example of the accountant. The rules and the regulations can be offloaded to the machine. but when you sit across an account and you you discuss the most important aspect of your life, which is finances. Now, once again, going to our previous example, a machine will not be able to understand what you are going through. What are your priorities? What do you what are you looking to do for the future? What what the retirement means? A Machine cannot understand that, but you will need to talk to a human being so that they can interpret what is it that you're looking to do into some questions that then the machine can answer. So it's almost like, you know, when you visit a doctor, you know, before they do their business, like, you know, give you, prescribe you the medicine, it's like getting to know you, your family history and diagnose you and all of that stuff. So all of these roles will become more human-centered and the definition of what they provide us as a service will start to shift a little bit.
1: Listening to you, Manoj, what comes to mind is we can take that artificial intelligence and be curious about how to apply it, which then generates the next level of search, if you will, back into the artificial intelligence. Yes, yes. So we almost become an interface between others and the machine, if you will.
0: Exactly, exactly absolutely you said it so nicely um because uh, you know the the thing is that people uh, who have a good iq and good eq they are the ones who can ask the right questions okay and i believe the world it belongs to people who can ask the right questions because um the answers especially now the answers will be produced by ai but if you don't know how to ask the right question, then AI is useless, right? Just like if you don't have any gas in the car, the car is useless. Uh, so that's the that's the idea here, right?
1: Sort of back in the early days of computers when I was first into uh, introduced to them with key punch cards, uh, mm-hmm. garbage in, garbage out, right?
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly.
1: You say that... We are ready to transform the industrial age model to a future-focused paradigm. What do you mean by that?
0: See, Industrial age brought us a lot of good things mass production and cheaper goods and everything. But it lost a lot of our humanity. One is, it lost personalization. So you know, you and I both are, uh, incidentally, wearing a gray shirt. But we can buy this shirt maybe in five colors and four or maybe six sizes. And that is the result of industrial revolution. So we are not able to express ourselves in a a way that we feel like doing it. With AI and and the next wave of technology that is coming, I may be able to go to the store and say, okay, I want this uh, shirt in five colors all at the same time, And I want it to be in this uh, style and this this way, so personalize it for me. And they will be able to do that in like you know in five minutes. The other thing, as I said, definition of work may change. So uh, throughout human history, we have dedicated at least one third of our life to work that we may or may not even enjoy, and that's just the reality of things, right? But with AI, we will create a future where work itself becomes more uh, enjoyable, more creative because the mundane part of the work, the repetitive things will be offloaded to the machine. And there is true uh, opportunity here to, uh, uh, you know, shift the definition of work into something that we truly enjoy doing. We all enjoy the, the skills that we are really good at, but I think the problem is that in our daily lives, we just get to do that maybe 10 to 15 percent or 20 percent of our time. The rest is all like filling out the forms and you know managing people and all of that stuff that is necessary to do that 20 percent. But you know that's not as enjoyable. But if let's say, imagine a future if that 80 percent is taken care of by by intelligent machines, then we have 100 percent of that capacity to enjoy enjoy life. Right? That that's the future I envision. That I think that's where we are headed.
1: I often ask my clients, what makes your heart sing? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's clear to me that this topic makes your heart sing, just like coaching makes my heart sing. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are all those other things that I have to do in association with that. Just finished reading a, a new book by Gallup called Future Shock, and they build this pathway to shareholder value, which clearly is a a driver for the public corporation and Mm -hmm. certainly here in the U.S. And at the start of that pathway is the manager. Mm. And they identify through their research two key roles of the manager that make a difference in the way in which their team members become engaged which make a difference in the relationship with customers and so forth and all of that ultimately goes up to the the shareholder value. The two things that they differentiate managers that are really the most successful is helping align skills with the work that people are doing. So maximizing the strength. And, and I don't know that Gallup defines it this way, but I define part of the strength is the passion we bring, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so aligning that strength and then coaching. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the distinction they make is even those managers who are good at aligning strengths, if they are focusing on administering as opposed to coaching, they're not as successful. The people on their team are are not as successful. So again, I'm hearing you say, AI can take a lot, if not all, of that administration off the table.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: You gave us one prediction, and some people like my son who's across the room will be happy to hear because he, he doesn't want to learn to drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has
1: no interest in it that... That in the future it may be illegal for people to drive. What are some of the other uh, forecasts that that you make based on your work in AI? Sure.
0: I think here's another one, interesting one. I think by the end of uh, by 2030, by the end of this decade, we'll see public companies with one employee. So it'll be just the CEO doing doing his or her thing, and rest is taken care of by AI
1: what brings innovation into the whatever product service that that company is delivering
0: see the idea is that a lot of the innovation is about uh, borrowing ideas from multiple industries multiple countries that's uh, we were talking about david right michelangelo a lot of the success his success was taking solutions from one domain and putting it in another domain that's it not r- inventing something new but like just you know marrying different ideas building ideas upon ideas and ai yeah, can do that like so much better today and imagine what it will be able to do in 10 years like it's it's mind boggling how fast it is moving so the things that we we think are you know the core of innovation actually it's not that it's it's our imagination what which is the primary driver In this universe. So, once again, taking that analogy of if we spend 20% of our time imagining and 80% of the figuring out stuff, imagine now we can do 80% of imagining and 20% of the doing stuff. The rest is all taken by machines. How innovative that company is going to be?
1: As you're talking, I'm thinking about a podcast that that we just released a little bit ago uh, called Wise Beyond Your Field. And my guest was a, a faculty member at Boise State University in Idaho. And she had put together this collective, of, if you will, of the football coach, the sheriff, uh, the head of a software development company, the head of a Shakespeare theater, a dance company, and so forth. And they learned from one another. They drew across industries, if you will, and, she said, and I think it was the, the head of the software company, he said, once best practices in my industry are best practices, they are not a differentiator anymore.
0: Exactly, exactly. exactly.
1: And, and I have to draw from those who are outside my field, outside my industry, to continue to learn and grow and, and innovate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there you go. I mean, um, you know, a, a lot of people think uh, I think a lot of people overcomplicate things if they just like, you know, take uh, take a step back and say, OK, let me get to know the world around me. You know, let me uh, make myself uncomfortable and talk to a, a theater, uh, uh, you know, organizer I talk to a neuroscientist, talk to somebody totally outside of my domain and say, OK, ask them what kind of problems they are having and then just have the patience to listen you get so much r&d done in that little conversation than you know uh, uh, teams of engineers will will do um, in, in 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 a year for a particular industry
1: i'm curious as to your thought and i can cut this if you don't want to comment on those leaders in the ai field now who are saying we need to pause
0: mm.
1: Because AI is as big a threat to the future of humanity as pandemics and wars and so forth.
0: Okay, so so let's talk about that, right? So first of all, we need to understand how information flow works in this current age, okay? So all the headlines you see in the news, they are actually driven by AI algorithms today, right now. So you can imagine that these algorithms are fine-tuned and uh, they are optimized for one thing, which is to get more clicks, okay? And as human nature goes, what do we click on most? Which is something that is going to cause sensationalism, that is going to cause some fear or whatever, right? So that's one thing, you need to understand that. Second thing, every person who has signed uh, that memorandum or, or said something, hey, stop AI, if you look at their activity, business activity and what they are doing, they are the heaviest investors in AI themselves, you know? So who is to say there is some sort of a motive here to gain a competitive advantage while asking other people to slow down, you know? The second thing is also, uh, and so, th- so that's another thing. So take everything with a grain of salt. Do your own due diligence to see, okay, who is saying that? What are their objectives? How are they behaving in the world? You know, Elon Musk, Tesla is the biggest AI company, AI car company. I mean, it's not actually a car company. Their strength is data and AI. You know, uh, he lands rockets in the middle of the ocean. Do you think a human brain can do it? No, it's all AI. You know, so we need to understand what is happening under under the covers. The last thing I want to say is, of course, these are very, very smart people. I'm not negating. Uh, I'm not saying that they have negative uh, sort of uh, connotations or, or they are lying uh, or anything like that. But they also understand that this technology has the potential to cause real socioeconomic change very, very quickly. So the idea is that are we ready to change, uh, accept that change? You know, so there's that element of n- not the technology being too dangerous, but as humans, are we mature enough, you know, if we lose you know one hundred million jobs in the world tomorrow, what does that imply for the government? What does that imply for the social network uh, or the socioeconomic uh, sort of support system that we have for those people? And we got a preview of that a little bit during Covid. You know, that was a silver lining. So I, I believe, if if we focus on these aspects uh, and then the uh, the last thing is this fear of ai because this has been caused by you know generations of hollywood movies and all of that stuff so that uh, possibility of um, people getting left behind is a real possibility just because they cannot get over their fear imagine a student or a company doing you know 10 times better than the uh, the person who who did not adopt AI that, that's a that's a real problem right so all of these things we need to take into account but the the thing is uh, stopping AI is not the answer embracing it and learning about it and then making regulations and rules and all of that stuff that is the answer right
1: how do you ensure that those regulations and rules are complied with
0: see com- compliance is a uh, is a is a funny word compliance. Uh, you know rules are the the funny thing is rules are just agreed upon sort of uh, you know things we say and the definition of criminals are people who don't agree to, to those rules. So we as humanity, I'm not saying you know you you put a rule together and then that's the end of it. There's gonna be people who will cross the line, and there's gonna be people who will uh, you know uh, put the counterweight ag- against those people who cause harm. Cause real harm. All of these things are only possible by participation, by you know us getting involved and saying, okay, you know this is where we need a rule, this is where we need a regulation, and uh, you know rules and regulations will always lag behind the technology. Technology moves so fast, so there is no way to catch up and say, okay, let's wait for the rules and regulations to be in place. The, that, that's a that's a circle we, that's a, like a chicken and egg situation we cannot cross. So. The only answer I can give at this stage is, uh, which is what I am trying to do, remove the fear, remove the misinformation, get people involved, get them to try new things as baby steps. You know, Just sign up for an account, try out one of these platforms, see what kind of benefit it provides for you, for your children, for your business, for your community. And then you are much better informed about raising your voice and saying, okay, this is a powerful technology. This is going to change the world, and this this is the regulation we need in place at the local level, at the at the you know at the federal level, at the state level, w- whatever that is. Um, without that, it's again going to be the same story. A Handful of people will will make the regulations for their benefit, and then you know everybody will get left behind. But now is the chance to to get involved,
1: Manoj. This is fascinating. I wish we had hours to talk, but we don't. Any last thoughts to share with our listeners?
0: Um, uh, I will say I will share a few uh, stats. You know, IBM CEO has said that uh, AI is going to add about $10 trillion to the world GDP by 2030. The world GDP is $96 trillion today. That means in the next seven years, AI is going to add more than 10% of the world GDP. That that's how big the opportunity is. So don't miss it. And the second thing I will say is uh, uh, Peter Diamandis, he's a a prominent entrepreneur and scientist. He has said by the end of this decade, again, by 2030, there's going to be two types of businesses. One, which fully embrace AI and use it. And two, who are out of business. So, you know, that's how big the opportunity is. And that's how big the consequences are of not adopting AI. So I just want to share that message before I sign off.
1: Manoj Agarwal, thank you so much for this conversation.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks.